Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is it going tonight? Welcome to another live edition of The C Report. I am your host, Mr. C. And we are coming to you live on this Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, December 2nd. I uh, do reckon I hear Christmas bells out there somewhere in the distance, but let's not talk about the Christmas bells, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're coming to you live on uh, multiple platforms. We are live over at the foxhole.app, at pill.net, at twitch.tv, at clouthub, Trovo, DLive, YouTube. We won't be live at YouTube the whole night, however. Uh, something about the topics we're going through in tonight's report, I think. Uh, either that or I am just, um, you know, exhibiting the reverse of the golden rule on YouTube. Because they've been, uh, giving me some problems. But, uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's to be expected, ladies and gentlemen. That is to be expected over here at the Sea Report and with anybody who is, uh, trying you know, in some way to share accurate information and knowledge with the masses. I'm sure you guys have heard the plight before. We don't need to uh, get into all of that. That's right, Depatriate1776, no cake for Susan. We'll stand by that. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I have made a backup channel because they wiped out... Uh, one of the other channels I had a lot of videos on. Of course, I backed them up. But, you know, so I have a backup channel, two subscribers. And I think that uh, it's pretty peachy right in that uh, happy uh, happy medium of subscribers. Because I don't need a lot of subs I just need the videos there, you know, for whatever purposes I would like to use them for. And then, of course, you know, other people could access them. So I, it is what it is, you know, the backup channel over there on YouTube. Uh, and we're going to turn you off YouTube tonight. So if uh, you are over there in YouTube land with Susano, who deserves nothing, she is a but a lazy Susan, that one is. She's like, she's like, uh, excuse me, Mr. C, uh, but we're just going to remove this. Okay, we're just going to remove this video because uh, you are spreading false information about the 2020 election and your content might suggest that you're trying to push that narrative. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Uh, we've not made any claims. We are just sharing evidence. That's basically all that we're doing. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so uh, the 200th episode, guys, do you remember? It was, it was only four episodes ago, okay? <laughs> we did the, um, we did the special election fraud episode for our 200th anniversary figured why not just do it that way tonight and unfortunately Susano of YouTube saw it differently she was like uh you're pushing a narrative I was like I'm just sharing information here but go ahead and take down the video I was gonna take it down anyways so uh there Susano <laughs> oh my goodness but uh it's all good uh, I, I got another, uh, I got a copyright claim also. Now, the, the nice thing about all of this is that even though they've removed a video because they don't agree with the content in that video, didn't even give it a chance for appeal. 
even though they're throwing all these copyright claims at me, I seem to not be garnering any strikes. So I'm like, okay, I guess. But um, the copyright claim, guys, that was obviously on our main expose into uh, Juicy Smoulier. Uh, we did that on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. We uh, we did a deep dive into every orifice of Juicy Smoulier, and uh, it appears uh, that Netflix wanted to make a claim on the uh, <laughs> on the Dave Chappelle like uh, skits that I played. You know that's fine. That's fine. All right, Netflix. I get it. Can't go play four minutes and 38 seconds of Dave Chappelle making, uh, you know, some type of uh, social commentary through his uh, comedy. I think I'm the only one in the room that takes comedy seriously. Aha! Just kidding, friends. Just kidding. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I just, you know, we trim that out. We'll trim that out, I'm sure. In post, it'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. It was, uh, it was just making the point, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the court of public opinion has been formed, match, set, and done when we're talking about Juicy Smoulier, guys. Yes, tonight. We will have an update from the Juicy Smoulier trial, because after all, it's only five days long. <laughs> so uh, this, this, this sucker is just about over, and let me tell you what... <laughs> with what I got to share for you tonight, it's pretty much over. Yeah, if you haven't seen the stories yet, well, you're going to see it. Just hang on tight. That's one of the ones that uh, I have to share with you guys tonight. Um, here's the thing, though. I got to say, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, is it's Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell trial time. Trial time. Okay, so uh, what's up with that? Like, uh, why don't we, uh, hear people talking about that? You know, <laughs> they're just, uh, you know, uh, we've had, okay. So, you know, I will, I will be one of the first to admit that I, uh, I believe the Juicy Smoulier trial was meant to distract, you know, and, uh, that's why Juicy Smoulier was, uh, pushed back to this time. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure uh, we do. Did we not have a shooting after all a shooting two days ago? Uh, that, that'll keep the, uh, headlines, uh, busy for a little bit, right? Just a little bit, probably not long enough, probably not as long as they would like it to. So let's have the resignation of, uh, Dorsey over at Twitter. That happened on Monday. That'll keep, uh, the headlines tied up in the business and, uh, That'll give some people over at Silicon Valley not to be worried about because uh, they won't be talking about uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. They'll be talking about Jack Dorsey and how he's leaving Twitter for the umpteenth time. How convenient. Even the United Kingdom had, uh, you know, President Trump on Nigel Farage's uh, show yesterday. Oh, that was the uh, that was the national sensation. I mean, uh, look at all the uh, spinoff. Well, I'm not saying Trump has anything to do with that. It's the interesting timing of the media uh, when, you know, typically we see the media fighting against some type of political point. Usually that's what we see them doing. But uh, instead, in this case, we have all of these like little tiny filler stories that just keep coming up and coming up and coming up. Did you hear that the government 
is going to shut down? Oh, how convenient. It's going to shut down in the next 33 hours. That should get us at least through the first week and Sunday of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, don't you think? Yes, and how convenient that if they do uh, throw money at this problem, our good old uh, conservative rhinos up there in Washington, D.C., uh, that uh, they'll have enough money at least until, you know, early to mid-February when the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial will be over. Oh, they already got... Uh, they already got something to buffer up them headlines at the head and at the tail of this trial. All of these distractions. What else are they going to throw at us, ladies and gentlemen? Could it possibly be a uh, <laughs> could it possibly be a suicidal Caucasian walking around outside of the United Nations, ladies and gentlemen? Because that was happening. Just prior to this show going live today, ladies and gentlemen, what is going on here in America? I tell you what, look there, right there. So, uh, yeah, the United Nations, guys, the United Nations, you know, we got uh, suicidal white man, suicidal, suicidal privileged man reads the Communist Daily. Aha! Marxist, uh, the Marxist compost says, a Caucasian privileged man wanted to distract from the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and so paced back and forth, hither and thither. You know, I don't know <laughs> what you guys think about this story, but I'm like, man, well, this is, they're going to keep New York, uh, New York press is busy. Yeah, why, why talk about Ghislaine Maxwell? When we can have uh, this bloke here on page one of the local New York press. Keep them busy, ladies and gentlemen. This one here, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get the, uh, I didn't get the recap on this one before I hit the streams today. Uh, but most definitely, I'm sure I have the story here somewhere. I mean, it would not be like me to not. Okay, so uh, let's see what this says here. Is there some more to it? Breaking UN building in New York City on lockdown. Man with gun pointed at himself paces outside of the video. Ah, let's see. Let's see what this has to say. This, ladies and gentlemen, is coming from 100 percentfedup.com and uh let's see we can expand that here a little bit yeah i was uh it's interesting this guy's like i don't know how much you think they paid him we just need to get the heat off of Ghislaine. the u.n building which takes up about seven blocks in manhattan is under lockdown after an unidentified man wearing a red sweatshirt was spotted outside the building with the gun pointed under his chin, NYPD is reportedly trying to negotiate with him. Oh, look, so, you know, they have plenty of time for photo op, right? And then uh, also to put this nice little advisory there. I'm pretty sure this went, what, all over Twitter, probably? Due to a police investigation, when do they do this? They show the man with the gun. If this, okay, if this were from, like, a citizen journalist or just some, uh dull-eyed American on Twitter, you know, I would expect this level of, uh, you know, shock. 
But coming from the New York PD uh, news, uh, I think this is a little irresponsible for them to put these photos out like that. Now, the advisory could say gunman. <laughs> but why scare your child into, uh, you know, uh, quandaries of suicide? You know, hard enough to deal with death in the daily uh, newspaper. Now, now across their Twitter feeds, they have grandpa wanting to uh, go out old Kurt Cobain way, okay? So uh, I don't think that does anyone good except for uh, the Glenn Maxwell trial, maybe. <laughs> it's kind of what it seems like. Oh, man. Okay, well, you know, uh, I pray this man the strength to overcome that which has, uh, you know, uh, stricken him. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray... But uh, we'll see how that goes, guys. Uh, Greg Kelly, standoff. Man with gun pacing in front of United Nations. Yeah, nothing nothing political, it seems. Uh, you know, man with gun. All right, this is uh, someone's political henchman, I think, in my uh, humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, gotta keep them presses busy. Gotta keep them busy, ladies and gentlemen. What are we going to do about all of that, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me tell you what. Um, so, uh, distractions was the point, ladies and gentlemen. That was the point. You know, we got uh, we got the high school shooting. We got the juicy smoulier. We got the... Uh, Suicidal, privileged man at the United Nations building. We got Jack Dorsey. We have the Omicron. Oh, can I say that? All of that instead of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's only fair to let you know that we will not be talking about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial tonight. <laughs> not even a smidge, ladies and gentlemen, but we are going to have a fun episode. I'm pretty sure if you guys aren't having fun already, I don't know what's going on above the belt. <laughs> uh, but uh, to be sure, tonight's stories are brought to you by 100% Fed Up, Political, CD, Media, Just the News, Times, Union, Gizmodo, but we're going to get one. The Washington Times, Breitbart, Daily Mail, UK, Axios, The Gateway Pundit, and The New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in tonight for another episode of The Sea Report. And uh, we're gonna, we have some fun stories for you guys tonight. Uh, but uh, just a real quick word to the wise. If you are watching us over on YouTube... Well, pop on over to thecreport.com uh, where you can find other places to live stream tonight's episode because we are turning YouTube off. Uh, I don't think that there's anything else that I'm going to be talking about today that could potentially get me in trouble. Uh, but they don't like it when you talk about election fraud. And I think we have at least one story of those today. So I'm learning like uh, good old Pavlov, YouTube. Thanks a lot. We're turning you off now. Goodbye. All right. Okay. So that does it for YouTube. Okay. We're free of YouTube. COVID-19. COVID-19. COVID-19 is a genuinely manufactured disease that was uh, used as a weapon upon the world at large. Okay. 
All right, I just had to get that out of my system, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, now that we are uh, off of YouTube. Okay, so uh, where were we, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, yes, we're getting into tonight's episode. We've got a fun one for you guys tonight. I promise you that. We do have a couple of uh, President Trump statements that I think all of you will enjoy. I know I did. And then uh, we got a few stories for you guys. We got a few stories for you about, uh, you know, hey, hey, ho, ho, Marxists who need to go. So uh, this should be fun, ladies and gentlemen. I think you will all have a fabulous time. Uh, let's see real quick before we get started. I'm going to jump into the chat room real quick and just say hello to uh, some of the community over at uh, foxhole.app and pill.net. Dpatriot1776, hello again, my friend. Rail Anon, good to see your uh, lurky little eyes over there. And uh, thank you for gifting the cookie as well, Dpatriot1776. Deathblossom17, checking in. How do you do? Good to see you tonight as well. And Ohio Kimmy, hola. And uh, gracias por la cookie. Muchas gracias. And Tam Growl also hanging out in the audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tam Growl says, uh, could this act be an aversion for something else? This, my friend, Tam Growl, is the question to consider when you think about all of the stories that are popping up around, uh, you know, okay, this is the sense that I got, ladies and gentlemen, when I was... What was I watching? I don't know what I was watching. It was some sort of local television. And, you know, it seems to me that uh, right now the, um, how you say, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media. If we were to just take a step back and look at them and uh, perhaps look at uh, look at their core functions, right? Like, say you take uh, you, you take away all of the uh, personal and uh, you take away all of the uh, hu human, you know, uh, aspects of how we see such entities and organizations. And then we look at how they function, right? And we look at uh, what it is that uh, they do. So right now it seems like they're in a function of making news in order to cover news. Whereas, you know, uh, during the entire Trump administration, they were constantly lying and uh, propagandizing in order to keep the news from being uh, realized. Um, now they are making news to hide news. They're like, well, we got to talk about these other things because uh, everyone in Hollywood and in politics uh, can't talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. Anyways, so we're not going to talk about her tonight. And <laughs> we're not going to talk about her tonight. We're talking about her, but we don't have anything to report on her tonight. Uh, we're we're kind of going to look at some governors gone bad. Okay, uh, that's going to be some fun stuff. We're going to look at some Marxists and uh, their failed, failed and failing attempts to either remain or get into our government, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, because we like to uh, talk about those Marxists and those communists over here, right? We like to shine a little bit of light on them. And then, of course, we are going to give you a little bit of a juicy smoulier update because uh, let me tell you one thing for sure, my friends, that uh, that trial is going to be over pretty quick, ladies and gentlemen. The trial will be over pretty quick. 
Okay. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and take a look at a couple of Trump statements. Ladies and gentlemen, what's been on the boss's radar? What do you think? Oh, I know. This statement coming out uh, December 1st, 2021 says uh, Rhino, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker has announced that because I didn't endorse him. And he is incapable of getting uh, of uh, getting the Republican nomination. He will not be running for re-election. He's been very selfish, and is bad news for the Republican Party. Actually, he shouldn't even be considered a Republican. We wish him well. All right, you know, sometimes whenever they wish someone well, they might mean something else. I don't think that would be uh, such an ill intent, right, ladies and gentlemen? But, but I had no idea, you know, I don't uh, pay a whole lot of attention to uh, Massachusetts uh, politics, but uh, Governor Baker, for President Trump to make such a statement with such glee, must know a thing or two about this man. I think uh, probably the uh, most important takeaway when we're... uh, talking about one Governor Baker of Massachusetts is this man is basically a never Trumper. (laughs) So even though he didn't make the band of brothers, the uh, loathsome 10 treasonous SOBs, uh, he most definitely did make the never Trumper bingo book. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) And the man is out. All right. We're getting rid of another rhino. You guys notice like uh, there seems to be a trend right now of rhinos just uh, stepping aside or falling off the map, one or the other. But the rhinos ain't as, they ain't as, they ain't as um, uh, tenacious as they used to be, it seems. They seem to be uh, really, really going extinct. Now, this uh, Charles Dwayne Baker Jr. is an American politician and businessman serving as the 72nd governor of Massachusetts. Since January 8th, 2015, in case you'd never heard of the man, he is a member of the Republican Party, ladies and gentlemen, which does make this man a rhino. He was also a cabinet official under two governors of Massachusetts and served 10 years as CEO of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Let's see if uh, let's see if any of the uh, news media is making a hubbub about this uh, here. Looks like we got an article out of Politico. Ah, a challenger venue. Let's see what the challenger had to say. Do they give us truth or propaganda? What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see. It says here, uh, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker won't seek re-election. So, uh... They're kind of just telling us what we already know. So, uh, so far, so good, Politico. So far, so good. Uh, It says here, Boston Republican Governor Charlie Baker, one of the nation's most popular governors. I never heard of him. Won't seek re-election next year, he said on Wednesday, in a move that blew Massachusetts gubernatorial contest wide open and ripple across down-ballot races for 2022. A moderate Republican with uh, enduring support among uh, support among Democrats and independents, Baker was the GOP's best hope of holding on to the governor's office 
in Deep Blue, Massachusetts, and Polito, who's his deputy governor, was widely seen as his heir apparent. But Baker, who eschews national politics, has been increasingly at odds with his own party as it coalesced around uh, President Donald Trump. Running for re-election presented plenty of obstacles, including a conservative primary challenger backed by the former president and attacks from across political spectrum on his handling of the coronavirus is getting real pandemic. All right. Okay. I had to do it. I had to say it because we're not on YouTube. So too bad. It says uh, here, let's see, uh, those close to Baker who turned 65 last month had recently described a two-term governor torn over whether to seek what in Massachusetts would be an unprecedented third consecutive term. He kept operatives, donors, and observers guessing late into the year, even as he wrapped up fundraising through the fall after pausing those activities for most of the coronavirus pandemic. Holding an event at Boston Restaurant just last week. Okay. So, yeah, he's out. Bye-bye, Baker. We ain't going to see you no more, lady. Or gentleman. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to read the rest of that article. Obviously. Obviously, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, let it be known, another rhino bites the dust. Ladies and gentlemen, another rhino Bites the dust. And uh, Persnick, thank you so much for the can. US, US, US. Blessings. And Ohio Kimmy, thank you for the cookie. Gracias, muchas. Thank you so much. Let's check out this next President Trump statement. It says, uh, I can't. Oh, 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 yes, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Are you ready to get the party started? Stacey Abrams is here, ladies and gentlemen. Stacey the hoax Abrams. Oh, President Trump. He has a brand new uh, criminal nickname, right? One of the gang. He has a brand new criminal nickname for Stacey Abrams. She is the hoax. Stacey the hoax Abram, ladies and gentlemen. This is some fun stuff. Okay, so Stacy the Hoax Abrams has just announced that she's running for governor of Georgia. I beat her single-handedly without much of a candidate in 2018. I'll beat her again. But it will be hard to do with Brian Kemp because the MAGA base will just not vote for him after what he did with respect to election integrity and to horribly run elections. Go get him, President Trump! For president and then two Senate seats. But some good Republican will run, and some good Republican will get my endorsement, and some good Republican will win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hold on to your horses. <laughs> because Stacey Abrams is back. And uh, it sounds like President Trump is going to take her to the mat, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. He ain't going to let her get away with it this time. There ain't going to be no objective or subjective uh, Stacey Abrams agree. Look at her. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you, ladies and gentlemen, are listening on the podcast, you need to join us on the live stream. Stat. 
so you too can be a can bear witness. Now she's like, hey, 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 President Trump. <laughs> Welcome to Stacey Abrams land. All right, here, y'all. Now, don't you know, George is mine. <laughs> Own every golden corral in the, uh, <laughs> in the county. That is me, Stacey Abrams. Okay, guys. Okay, I could, you know, I can go on forever with Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I am not from Georgia, thank goodness. So uh, I don't have to deal with uh, such a thing several days a week or otherwise, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, President Trump is clearly calling out the big old blue belly, blue... <laughs> Blueberry is what I meant, podcast listeners. You cannot see that she is wearing a blueberry costume, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I just can't help it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Stacey Abram. She has got a bigger uh, part. (laughs) She's got a bigger split than Madonna. (laughs) Look at that. Just look at it. Okay, look at Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we are positively identifying the challenger. Okay, so... (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, Stacey. So what? Okay, so... Okay, guys. All right, obviously, obviously, we cannot have Stacey Abrams on the screen without having a little bit of fun. Okay, (laughs) We can't do it without having just a little bit of fun, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, with this entire thing going on, right, uh, where we have Stacey Abrams, who is again going to run for governor, even, you know, after you know, the abject failure of anything that has to do with fair and uh, accurate elections in the state of Georgia, even though this woman didn't have a whole lot to do with it. Oh, wait a minute. Are we sure about that? Okay. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, there was some sort of decree, right? Uh, it was like the Stacey Abrams, like, I don't know, uh, commode decree. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that was just a little piece of it, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I think the thing that we would like to talk about the most here, ladies and gentlemen, and and really, this is a recall moment, now, they're not recalling Stacey Abrams, obviously, and uh, any any bit of, uh, you know, uh, canned goods and uh, foods that had been recalled, Stacey Abrams has already taken care of it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, she's already taken care of it, but this is a bit of a recall on uh, the very notion, the very idea, ladies and gentlemen, that there could indeed be election fraud. Okay, again... Susano and YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, they will just remove your videos and your content that share accurate and real stories that happened to human beings and will tell you that you are just misinforming, ladies and gentlemen. And at that point, you really have to say, when you're uh, covering up for news that is real, this is no longer ladies and gentlemen, just about people trying to do the right thing. It's uh, quite obvious, ladies and gentlemen, that these people do not have any sense um, of civility and uh, scruple when it comes to uh, various and defying 
political and uh, viewpoints, period. Anyways, let's recall, ladies and gentlemen, let me get off that soapbox. Sorry, I was opening up a whole bunch of uh, Pandora's, uh, you know, jars and boxes there. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen, she is pointing her ugly finger at you right now. Did you not see her on the screen? Okay. All right, Stacey Abrams. She is here, ladies and gentlemen. Stacey Abrams. Um... She, uh, she had a, uh, you know, she had a uh, staffing agency, ladies and gentlemen, and that is kind of what we want to focus on. You know, uh, this is one of those, this is one of those details from the, uh, Georgia, uh, 2020, uh, fraudulent election, right? Now, when we go back and we look at the details, when we hear the story, of the uh, the abject mismanagement. It was gross mismanagement. It was negligent. Mis- <laughs> that is like a double, triple negative, right? Or positive? I don't know. It's very redundant to say that it was a <laughs> it was negligent mismanagement. Don't you think? Uh, that's what they're trying to say. It was. Uh, it was fraud by any other word. And when we look back at the stories and the details, we'll talk about this story ladies and gentlemen, and that has to do with uh, Stacey Abrams and a uh, staffing agency by the name of Happy Faces, ladies and gentlemen. So let's talk about Happy Faces and Stacey Abrams before we roll off, no pun intended, Stacey, before we roll off her topic, okay? (laughs) Oh, Stacey! Okay, so (laughs) let's see. Here's another article from 100% Fed Up, ladies and gentlemen with a very freaky Furby. If you are listening on the podcast side, you are missing the freaky Furby. This is the title of the headline, speaking of freaky Furbies. Breaking! I thought it said freaking. Breaking! All levels of Georgia government, including governor's office, infiltrated by temp firm, financed by Stacey Abrams. Now, this is from June 17th, 2021. You better believe if you go back to a C report from June or July or May. Yeah, we probably we covered the story. So in a developing story, CD media investigators have discovered multiple payments made from several Georgia government agencies to the temp firm Happy Faces Staffing. The uh, temp firm is financed by another firm called Now Account which lists Stacey Abrams as 16% owner. So some of you guys probably remember this story. According to information obtained by CD Media, the Georgia government's office paid $34,757 to the temp firm for work done on behalf of Governor Kemp's office. See the chart below showing a long list of payments to happy faces by other Georgia state entities. Let's go and skip down here. And here you go, ladies and gentlemen. Aw, do you guys remember this? Y'all guys remember this, don't you? Ah, not that. (laughs) Sorry. This looks like a mix between Stacey Abrams and uh, Pedo Jackson Lee from uh, Houston. And maybe there is a little bit of uh, Waters in there as well. Uh, I could definitely uh, see that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's look at this payment receipt, ladies and gentlemen, for fiscal year 2020. 
All right, this is with uh, Georgia. Now, uh, there's another interesting caveat to this story in which, uh, you know, Zuckerberg's um, Zuckerberg's uh, organization, the uh, Center for Tech and Civic Living, uh, also paid some money to Happy Faces. But look at where Happy Faces works. So this group, which is funded by Now Act, Now Account, or Now Act, or whatever it's called, which is Stacey Abrams' ownership of 16%, pays Happy Faces. And this is what they do, okay? They work for the Office of the Governor. They work for Georgia Technology Authority. They work for the Department of Driver Services, Department of National Resources, Department of Transportation, uh, Department of Family and Children Services, uh, Technical College System of Georgia, Department of Corrections, Department of Agriculture, Department of Community, Department of uh, Behavioral Health and Development, Employees Retirement System of Georgia, Department of Human Services, Department of Revenue, Department of Community Health, uh, Correctional Industries Administration, Public Defender Council of Georgia, the Department of Juvenile Justice, the Department of Public Health, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Why don't they even want... Uh, weren't they calling for the Georgia Bureau of Investigations to do a forensic audit of the 2020 Georgia, you know, uh, general election? And uh, yeah, GBI guys. So uh, it seems that Stacey Adams, Lady Stacey Adams, whoops. <laughs> My bad. Uh, Stacey Adams are, yeah, that's one of my favorite shoes. Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Stacey Abrams. Okay, they, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stacey Abrams, she staffs the entire government of Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Her business staffs the entire government of Georgia. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, really? Really? And then we want the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to do the forensic audit, which is staffed by Stacey Abrams' people. Uh, this just makes absolutely no sense, ladies and gentlemen. So we thought we would just bring that back up to everybody's mind. This is an old nugget of information, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, most of us are familiar with. Let's not let the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media forget about it, right? That's the whole point. That's why we're sharing it with you. Breaking evidence presented at hearing today shows Stacey Abrams ran Fulton County elections. Okay. This is another mid-year uh, 2021 article. Evidence presented at this morning's public meeting of the Fulton County Commission shows... Former Democrat gubernatorial candidate and state rep Stacey Abrams controlled and financed the main contractor used in Fulton County elections during the November 3rd poll and the January 5th U.S. Senate runoff. Evidence showed direct financial underwriting of the staffing service Happy Faces Personnel Group. By groups controlled by Abrams, in other words, a highly partisan Democrat political operative controlled the elections of Fulton County, uh, in which also a Nigerian national was involved. Okay, well, there is that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry, I didn't... <laughs> My bad, I didn't expand the article. I'm so sorry. 
Uh, here is um, this here, ladies and gentlemen. You guys are just watching me read this article. How embarrassing. Here is a um, here is an image we can share with you guys. Account financed and recruited employees for happy faces. Okay. So that's the account now, if I'm not mistaken. Here it says happy faces, personnel. Now account network corporation. Okay. Peachtree Road. I've heard that road before. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So uh, that is them funding them. Happy faces, personnel group. A Tucker-based staffing service has been Invaluable to Fulton County for its election workers, said its election chief, reported local Fulton County online newspaper The Neighborhood in June. Though the county has been criticized for its reliance on temporary workers, Richard Barron, Fulton's director of elections and registration, said Happy Faces saves the county money due to the fact that they don't have to pay pensions. <laughs> That's how they save the government money. Oh, 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 could it also be because uh, they like temps because that creates that little, uh, that little uh, dull front for the shadow network of the shadow government, right? We're going to keep a bunch of temp employees here. We're going to keep a, uh, we're going to keep a revolving door of temps. So that this way, the subterfuge of an actual working government is forever hidden from the people. Good job, Georgia. Doing that work. Better than anyone else could when you got someone like Stacey Abrams staffing the entire election, election day plus 10. She is one wicked cow, ladies and gentlemen. That is Stacey Abrams. Um, and yeah, just another article. Just another article bringing more receipts. This one's from Just the News. Did Stacey Abrams Financial Group fund temp agency that staffed Fulton County elections? Dun, dun, dun. All right, guys. Stacey Abrams. Uh, have we had enough Stacey Abrams for tonight? We could do this. Aha! There is Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do that again. Okay, I won't do that again, although I am tempted. What did I do? Hold on. For those of you on the podcast side, I have just currently... Oh, there it is. Okay, why was it not... Okay, I'm seeing things apparently, ladies and gentlemen, so uh, don't mind me. As we carry on, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get off the Stacey Abrams topic, okay? This is the final part in our Governors Gone Bad, the Governators series tonight. We talk, we talked about Governor Baker of Massachusetts. We talked about Governor Wannabe, Stacey Abrams. Now, ladies and gentlemen, yes, we will talk about Governor Nickel, Nipple Rings Cuomo. That is how we referred to the man here over at the Sea Report. And uh, he's always been Nipple Rings Cuomo, ladies and gentlemen, and... You know, as 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 hard as it is to say, you know, this man just probably won't be featured on the show as much as he used to be. I mean, he's not the uh, governor over there anymore, and uh, no one really cares, right, uh, about uh, Andrew Cuomo. Well, you know, that shouldn't be the case entirely. I mean, we did have, like, what, was it like 15,000 people perish? In New York hospitals, due to some uh, backwards deals that he made with uh, 
uh, Network Hospital Associates and CEOs, Andrew Cuomo with the nipple rings. Yeah, well, you know, we do have a Cuomo story for you tonight, but it's not Chris Cuomo. Oh, that was another Ghislaine Maxwell distraction. Chris Cuomo being suspended from CNN. Make the news so we don't have to break the news that uh, everyone's favorite socialite, Ghislaine Maxwell, is on trial right now. Awkward, right? All of the uh, celebrities and uh, politicians and high-powered financiers and CEOs. Awkward. We can't talk about it. We gotta, we gotta, you know, roll some other beautiful bean footage. Jackie Blue, thank you so much for gifting the can. Appreciate you out there in uh, Foxhole Pilled Land. Wow, a treasure trove, Jackie Blue says. Seize the day, 9-11. Cloud Watcher, CJM61, welcome into the show. Hi, guys, how y'all doing? Slide Park 2020, good evening, good evening. Tony Animal, one. Hello, Tony Animal. <laughs> Sorry, I just like, I go into animal mode whenever I see the word animal. You know, animal. I don't need to say any more. Rapture ready. Good evening. How you doing? Shepherding Shepherd, I see you there too. Soka Q, Philly Q2. Persnick, hello. Good evening, y'all. Welcome in, welcome in. Make yourselves at home. We're just talking about Nipple Rings Cuomo in case you didn't notice. Sorry, guys. Uh, we seem to be doing a Swamp Creature edition tonight also on tonight's Sea Report, but uh, we're done with the governors after this, guys. We're moving on to the Marxists next, so uh, stay tuned. We got some Marxist stories for you guys coming up. Let's talk about Cuomo so we can get his nipple rings off the screen. Okay, I'm sorry. If you are listening on the podcast, you're missing quite a view. <laughs> oh, Cuomo! Yes, such a dog. Okay, so <laughs> why is Cuomo in the news today? Uh, least of all, Chris. I mean, uh, his brother, Andrew. I mean, the former governor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we just wanted to rub in your face that uh, it is going to be taxpayers who are on the hook for a governor Cuomo's related legal costs. They will be on the hook for about $23 million to defend Cuomo. Now, this is exactly what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when I say uh, it's not fair, I'm not trying to sound like a victim. I'm not trying to sound like an SJW, BLM, Antifer, okay, uh, on the spectrum. All I'm trying to say is, uh, why should hardworking taxpayers have to pay the bill for a lesher's, uh, you know, um, uh, comeuppance, right? Justice being served. Why should they have to pay for that? You know, now I could understand, and, and maybe we'll do a little bit of uh, state polit politics uh, science theater right now. But uh, I could understand, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the people of New York having to fit that bill. If, like, say, something had to do with the structure or the constitutionality or something like that involving the office of the governor. But if the man takes it upon himself to be uh, aggressively friendly and handsy, 
Okay, and then also send 15,000 elderly people to their deaths at nursing homes and rehabilitation centers. If he of a cognizant and coherent and sound mind made those decisions while in office, he should have to pay for that personally. Because none of those actions have anything to do with being the governor. Uh, what they have to do with is poor choices, ladies and gentlemen. You know, and uh, if Cuomo uh, Cuomo wants to uh, have them pay for his uh, his his nursing home charges, well, that's still certainly much more different than Cuomo uh, not having to pay for his sexual harassment trial case charges. I mean, come on, it's just not fair. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, so there's my little uh, there's my little soapbox tirade, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's see what this article has to say, so we can rub it in the faces of New Yorkers that they have to pay for Cuomo's aggressive uh, his aggressive uh, um, uh, tenderness. <laughs> Albanese state taxpayers should uh, could be on the hook for $22.7 million in legal costs related to the controversies involving former Governor Andrew Cuomo. According to newly updated documents posted by the state's comptroller's office, the records indicate at least $8.3 million have already been spent. The anticipated cost includes up to $13.6 million dollars in legal service of the executive chamber, including its defense of its investigations into alleged sexual harassment Cuomo. Other related contracts include $5.1 million for the impeachment inquiry by the state assembly. Okay, so something like that, when we're talking about structural or we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, constitutionality of the office. Okay, fine. Now, it's a waste of money. Well, I mean, actually, this was not a waste of money. I'm thinking of President Trump's impeachments where they wasted all that money. Uh, but for something like this where they really did, they needed to impeach him, I get it. Okay. Now, uh, the state legislatures are the ones who created that bill by enacting the impeachment. We get how it works. Okay. Uh, but that's something I could see taxpayers paying for. Okay. I get that. The sexual harassment? No. Okay, uh, I don't think that is something that uh, taxpayers should have to pay for. They shouldn't. They should not. Okay, uh, let's see here. <clears throat> $1.5 million in legal services by the Department of Health related to the investigations into the state's COVID-19 response under the former governor. You see? Okay, I mean, I could be on the fence about that being up to taxpayers, but the sexual harassment? Nope, 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 nope. He needs to pay for that himself. The latter fees are associated with investigations that have been conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, and the State Attorney's General's Office, according to the contract. The latest contracts by the Comptroller include $5.1 million for the law firm Arnold & Porter and $2.5 million for the firm Wilkie Farr and Gallagher. Okay, so uh, that is what New York is going to have to pay for Cuomo. And that will most likely be the last time that we see Cuomo cross the streams here and the screen, the screens, I should say, 
over at uh, the Sea Report. Yeah, he was lucky to get his nipples on my screen one more time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The Sea Report is 100% listener-supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with The Sea Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support. Become a monthly donor when you go to anchor.fm slash Report slash support or click on the support button over there at the anchor.fm slash the C report website where you can help sustain future episodes of the C report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support. Uh, talk a little bit about this individual on our screen, ladies and gentlemen, in case you were wondering who on earth that is. <laughs> we are out of the realm of governors, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We've got through our three governators. We got a big old in your face New Yorkers. Got to pay for Cuomo. That sucks, right? Got to pay for his transgressions. They need to do something about that. You know? When all of you awesome people get into office, make sure you do something about that. Okay, let's talk about uh, the gremlin on our screen. Ladies and gentlemen, these are all swamp creatures tonight, okay? You have not seen one good guy. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what is that, right? You know, you know that this is someone on the left. Okay, just, you just know, okay? <laughs> You just know this is someone on the left. You don't know who it is yet. Uh, but they all have the same look, don't they? They all have the same look, okay? <laughs> they all have the same look. Uh, this is not the judge for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, guys, okay? We we are doing our du just duty, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. For those of you who do not know, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is live but not happening live. In other words, it's happening this week and it's happening the next six weeks or five weeks. But uh, yeah, uh, we don't get to really, uh, we don't get to really hear much or see much about it. We'll, we'll update you on Ghislaine tomorrow. This is not the judge, even though it looks like the judge for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. It is not Pat Shepherding Shepherd. I don't know what its pronouns are. You know the judge for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, that uh, Nathan Allison, right? Appointed by Obama, right? This could be uh, its long lost, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, was it Yorkshire uh, Baggins <laughs> Hobbit. <laughs> Oh, I am so mean. I am so mean. Okay, guys, who this really is, since I'm sure you're dying to know by now, is uh, a person by the name of Gigi Sohn. So uh, you guys were not too far off with some of your guesses. Uh, but Gigi Sohn is currently on the screen. And if you had not heard... 
Gigi Sohn is currently illegitimate Joe Biden select president. His pick for the head of the FCC. All right, so we got uh, we got a visual aid here of one Gigi Sohn. Let's take a look at some articles that uh, kind of get into this entire pick for the uh, uh, FCC, ladies and gentlemen, the Federal Communications Commission, and why she may be inappropriate. It seems that the Biden junta has done a very good job of uh, nominating very inappropriate individuals for very key positions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what fate Omarova comes to mind, we'll talk about her next, ladies and gentlemen, in case you hadn't heard about good old Omarova, and whether or not she was confirmed to rule the banks of America. You guys might remember her as being, uh, you know, the Soviet uh, Marxist there and now and don't you know ladies and gentlemen ladies and gents okay so uh let's talk about this one here this one here gg sone head of the fcc nominee warning alert 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 coming in ladies and gentlemen hot off the presses we have uh, a new a new leftist um morlock being nominated by one President-select, illegitimate Joe Biden. Information, integrity, and intellectual property rights are emerging as front lines in the increasingly diverse and complex national security threats confronting America, and both fall under the authority of the Federal Communications Commission. Let's expand that article. All right. It says, uh, this new reality makes the Biden administration's domination of Gigi Sohn to the FCC all the more troubling, given her track record of disregard for our sensitive secrets and outright hostility to intellectual property, which could dangerously empower America's enemies, namely Russia and China, if she is confirmed. She is an utterly inappropriate choice, and the administration should withdraw her nomination straight away. Unauthorized release of classified information is a federal crime in the United States, and over the last decade, two significant leaks of government information carried out by NSA contractor Edward Snowden and Army private Chelsea Manning have directly undermined the safety of the American people as sensitive information enabled our adversaries to target U.S. soldiers and our allies in Afghanistan, the senior most military leader in our country, serving under presidents from both parties, have testified as much to the United States Congress. The Snowden and Manning leaks should be front and center again, as Miss Sohn's nomination is considered because she serves as board member and champion of Electronic Frontier Foundation, which has been outspokenly supportive of her nomination. EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, has a long history of supporting leakers of classified information, including Snowden and Manning. EFF urged for the Manning pardon, even filling a court brief in her support, or filing a court brief, and continues to advocate for Snowden's pardon. EFF has given Snowden and Manning and Miss Sohn their Pioneer Award the ostensible purpose of which is to recognize leaders on the electronic frontier who are extending freedom and innovation in the realm of information technology, but in practice, 
lionizes anti-American leakers. For his part, Snowden displayed an EFF sticker on his laptop case from his safe harbor in Russia when EFF gave him a platform to share his views in which they disingenuously termed a fireside chat with an NSA whistleblower. The EFF has this backwards. Whistleblowers are courageous citizens exposing malfeasance and corruption who merit the protection of the American legal and justice system. Edward Snowden is a, is a criminal living in a hidden location in Russia under the protection of Vladimir Putin, who exploits his treachery against America as part of Russia's toolkit to um, undermine the very fabric of the United States. Okay, so we're not here to talk Snowden and we're not here to talk about Chelsea Manning, but look at what they did to him. Uh, let's talk about Miss Sohn. She is the co-founder and president of Public Knowledge, a nonprofit organization dedicated to undermining America's historic protection of intellectual property rights in the interests of allowing other nations to exploit and profit from U.S. innovation. In 2010, for example, Ms. Sohn used a bizarre rant on Public Knowledge's website against a New York Times editorial by the U2 lead singer Bono which proposed that rigorous enforcement of copyright laws would incentivize global creativity. Okay, guys, I could be wrong here. I could be wrong because any enemy of Bono is a friend of mine. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't like the cut of this woman's jibe and I do not appreciate the smell of her cologne. All right, okay, so it says here, Uh, Let's see. For the last two decades, the PRC has waged systematic war on America intellectual property in precisely the sectors governed by the FCC, which, as the communication technology required to implement 5G broadband networks, leaving us scrambling to clobber cobble together an alternative to the Chinese state-owned Huawei network. Sohn's dangerous naivete about the PRC's predator appetite for U.S. intellectual property could do material damage to the FCC's credibility to combat that threat. Okay, so there is a little bit about what's going on with this GG Sohn. Why she's not appropriate. Why it seems that uh, Biden keeps on selecting Marxist and socialist sympathizers. You kind of uh, start to wonder there, don't you? Or not. Or not. Quite possibly not. Uh, we got some more. Oh, here. Oh, this one was actually a very interesting article about Miss Gigi Sohn. Okay. So uh, we have an idea in regards to her about uh, uh, her lack of respect for uh, privacy and other things, ladies and gentlemen. Um, She's uh, publicly referred to Fox News as government-run propaganda. You know, so we clearly know what side of the line that she stands on. But this was an interesting article. Uh, in regards to Gigi Sohn being nominated for the head of the Federal Communications Commission and news agencies such as Newsmask and OAN, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I am going, I'm just going to share the information with you. I am not going to make an assessment. 
until after we read these documents. Uh, for News Mask, I, uh, I get it, News Mask. It makes sense. But OAN, I'm not too sure. We'll figure it out. Let's see what this article has to say. Keep in mind everything that we just learned about Gigi Sohn, okay? And she is currently, you know, being vetted. <clears throat> but Newsmask and OAN, it appears, support, support this nomination, okay? It says here, uh, let me go ahead and expand that because, you know, I like to expand things for people. Okay, uh, it says the uh, internal skirmishes between the new and old guards of conservative political power continue this time colliding over the future of democratic controlled or Democrat controlled federal commissions, commission, communications commission. Uh, though Republican lawmakers have spent months opposing Biden's efforts to who uh, to fill two open FCC seats with Democrats, at least one of those nominations is getting a nod of confidence from right-wing upstarts, One America News Network and News Mask. See, so that's interesting, don't you think, guys? This is, uh, who is this? Gizmodo. Okay, so we all know no one likes Gizmodo. They are lefty, communist, socialist, uh, progressive. We don't like Gizmodo. Okay, we don't like them. And, you know, clearly they uh, don't like um, agencies like Newsmask or OAN. We are not fans of Newsmask ourselves around these parts. Uh, but you, you, still get, uh, you still get useful content, such as this uh, article from Gizmodo. Uh, even the challengers of truth have some interesting content sometimes. Uh, and they tell you some interesting things that you might not hear at Newsmask or OAN. Like, why is the CEO of each company supporting this nomination for FCC head? A Biden pick who clearly has progressive agenda. Why, O-A-N? Why? Now, it says here, in a statement released earlier this month, One American News Network President Charles Herring officially endorsed the confirmation of President Joe, uh, confirmation of President Joe Biden's most recent FCC nominee, Gigi Sohn. So we're going to take a look at this statement so we can uh, perform our just diligence, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, see what it has to say. Here's the statement. Let's go ahead and expand that. This is from OAN and they are confirming Gigi Sohn. Excuse me. Woo! Pardon me, just a minute. Woo! Had to sneeze there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Okay, so statement by Charles Herring of One American News Network. All right. We are fans of One American News, but for some reason they think Gigi Sohn is just, you know, the bee's knees. Okay says, unfortunately, many times business owners find themselves in the position where they need to advocate for reasonable, light-handed regulations. The cable programming industry is no different. As an executive of an independent family-owned business of two national networks, one American News Network and AWE, I've found myself advocating for more open markets in an environment that is arguably a quasi-monopoly. I've fought in the trenches side by side with Gigi Sohn for a number of years on multiple issues. 
I'm fully aware of Gigi's personal views, yet I'm even more knowledgeable on her strong belief in advocacy for diversity in programming lineup, especially in news, regardless of conflicts with personal views. Gigi has been very consistent in her views for diversity in media. She has advocated for reasonable policies to support numerous points of views and to open up the markets to independent voices in all aspects of media. She believes in the First Amendment and the advantages of a strong and open media for the benefit of our democracy. She is one of the most knowledgeable persons I know on FCC issues and has the common sense and desire to work with people on both sides of the aisle. I've witnessed her dedication firsthand, and I fully encourage fellow programmers and friends across the spectrum to step up and express their support for Gigi Sone. Okay. That is One American News, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, that does not make me feel too good, ladies and gentlemen. That does not make me feel too good. Um, could Gigi Sone be, in fact, a sleeper patriot? That's someone from a trusted news network who has not uh, done anything wrong by our... I mean, they haven't done anything rage- majorly wrong in my book, except until now... You know, until this uh, very statement, I don't think I've seen one American News do anything uh, overtly egregious, not like Newsmask, right? Let's see what Newsmask had to say. Does the uh, CEO Chris Rudy or Ruddy of uh, Newsmask, uh, is he, does he have such adorations to fling at Gigi Sone as did the CEO for OAN? Let's find out. All right, Chris. Not long after that, Newsmask CEO Chris Ruddy threw in his own support for both of Biden's FCC picks in a statement that he sent to Axios. It says here, conservative media odds over Biden's FCC pick. Uh, We want to see the statement from Newsmask. Show us the statement. I don't see no statement. There's no news mask statement. Dirty pool, Axios. Dirty pool. A blue, a black, black, blue. Okay. Well, let's see. It says here, uh... While I don't always agree with the nominees on many policy matters, Newsmask fully supports the commission's mandate to promote diversity, localism, and competition in the marketplace. So everyone's just falling over, GG Sone. This all stands in stark contrast to the more traditional right-wing establishment, which has fought tooth and nail to delay and derail Biden's nominee from the start. So far, Republican lawmakers have appeared particularly hostile to Sone, with Lindsey Graham recently saying he would do everything in my power to convince colleagues on both sides of the aisle to reject this extreme nominee, said uh, Lindsey. Others, like Wall Street Journal's editorial board, have argued Sohn's appointment could lead to increased censorship of conservative views on airwaves. She, Sone, favors deploying the agency's regulatory power to shackle broadband providers and silence conservative voices, the journal's editorial board wrote. Miss Sone 
strident partnership should disqualify her from serving as an officer of an independent agency with so much power to control the public airwaves. All this right-wing divergence comes down to the reality that Newsmask and OAN have far more to gain with sewn at the FCC than more traditional conservative backed by telecom interests thanks to the regulator's uh, record of favoring independent programmers. So what this article is trying to say is that uh, they don't hate OAN and Newsmax as right-wing organizations. Uh, They apparently uh, see that Newsmask and OAN will benefit from Gigi Sohn because she's going to go after Fox. She's going to go after, I don't know, uh, the big ones, right? And so OAN and Newsmask, even though OAN is uh, way more of an America First news broadcast station than Newsmask, and they are both independent and uh, conservative, this article is trying to say, Gizmodo is trying to say they are safe from Gigi Sohn because they are independent even though they're conservative. This makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it sounds more to me like Gigi would go after OAN and Newsmask before she goes after Fox. Um, and uh, they are just totally trying to propagandize and prey on dull-minded Americans in this article. Do you see how they did that, guys? First, they're like, oh, they're right-wing extremists, and uh, this is why they hate Gigi, because she goes after conservatives. And then they say uh, they're going to do good because she's going after the big boys and she's not going after independents, even though they are far more effective than faux news, right? Gah, the convolution and the propaganda just never ends with these people. Gizmo Kaka is what I say to you, Gizmodo. Okay, so that's Gigi Sohn, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit about it, in case you were curious. I know a lot of us were. What is that? It looks like, uh, (laughs) never mind. Okay, uh, oh, this is the, yeah, okay, we already saw that, so let's skip that. Oh, look who it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's everyone's favorite Marxist, socialist, left-leaning banker. This is Saule Omarova. Thanks again for joining us here at the Sea Report. If you're just popping in, welcome, welcome, welcome. Mr. Pete, thank you for the 366 gold pills. Java, good to see you, my friend. Good to have you in the audience. Glad you guys can be hanging out with us on this Thursday evening as we talk about... Hey, hey, ho, ho, these Marxists need to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Marxists need to go, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's talk about Sole Omarova. Because we have been hot on her trail for, oh goodness, a few months now. Uh, We've talked about all of her Sovietness. We've talked about all of her uh, Marxist banking shenanigans. We've talked about her dissertations on why, uh, you know, Keynesian is stupid. No, just kidding. She didn't really talk about Keynesianism, but uh, she talked about, uh, you know, Soviet-style banking and how it's so much better. Okay, guys, let's just put it this way. 
We rode Omarova pretty hard, guys. We rode Omarova very hard. And I would have to say, because of that, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. It appears that this, the uh, illegitimate Joe Biden regime nominee, okay, this woman here, Omarova, uh, she was uh, to be head of banking, guys. Omarova was. And uh, it looks like she's not going to get cleared for this nomination. Good job, ladies and gentlemen. Clap, clap, clap. You can do the one hand clap if you want, but good job getting this news out there, sharing it and uh, not letting go. This woman would have been very bad news. She would have nationalized every single bank in this country. We're talking all the way down to the mom and pop. She would have been like, you do banking with Big Brother first. And then maybe you can have a corn dog. That is one Saleh Omarova. Guys, communist, hardcore. Let's talk a little bit about her demise, okay? Because this woman was such a radical, guys. She was such a radical that... uh, Even though it was the GOP senators and the rhinos that were hammering her the hardest. uh, It seems that we had some uh, people from across the pond, the other side of the aisle, join the conservatives because, yeah, this woman was a radical, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Centrist Dems sink Biden's nominee for top bank regulator. There is Saleh. Five Democrat senators who uh, uh, have told the White House they won't support Sole Omarova to head the office of the comptroller of the currency, effectively killing her nomination for the powerful bank regulation uh, regulator po- uh, position. The defiant opposition from a board coalition of senators reflects the real policy concerns they had with Omarova, a Cornell University law professor who's attracted controversy Uh, for her academic writings about hemming in big banks. Their opposition also hints at a willingness to some Democrat senators to buck the White House on an important nomination, even if it hands Republicans a political and symbolic victory. Republicans have attacked the Kazakh-born scholar in remarkably personable terms and turned her her nomination into a proxy battle over how banks should be regulated. That's interesting statements, that one there. Proxy battle over how banks should be regulated. You know that's going to be a hot topic coming up. Um, Let's see here. So uh, it's not really important. We had uh, Senator John Tester of Montana, Mark Warner of Virginia, uh, Kirsten Sinema, Sinema of Arizona, all members of the Senate Bank Committee, and uh, Sherrod Brown and... uh, John Hinken Looper and Mark Kelly, all of them opposed uh, Sole Omarova. That's basically what happened. That's the long and the short of it. You had uh, Democrats hop over and say, no, 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 no. This woman is a radical and she is going to uh, gravely change everything about banking in the United States of America. Sole Omarova. That is a poison we narrowly missed, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very close call there with Omarova. Good job again. 
staying on that proverbial ball and letting everyone know we ain't going to take Omarova. Oh, no, we ain't, ladies and gentlemen. This article here from the Daily Mail, let me see, UK, uh, talks about the uh, talks about the Democrats that opposed her. Looks like it wants to be difficult. Do you want to be difficult? Oh, there it goes. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I feel like there was a bit of info. Oh, no, it's just uh, into Sole's life and times, etc., 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 we don't need to go too deep into it. She had this uh, one video here. Biden nominee Sole Omarova saying the quiet part out loud on the oil, coal, and gas industries. We want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change. That is the kind of person Sole Omarova is. Sounds a little bit like uh, she was doing the uh, energy. Uh, she was doing the energy uh, energy kill down there. She's one of those energy assassins, right? She's like Obama. Like, she makes sure that they shut down all of the uh, energy industries. Uh, that's who that, That's actually what that statement reminded me more of than anything else was uh, the whole Obama thing. Uh, but believe it or not, you know, we did have these Democrats who said, no, we ain't going to do it. We're going to join these conservatives. We also had, of course, the uh, Democrats uh, who were defending Sole Omarova. We kind of talked about this one before, uh, who's uh, defending, uh, I was going to say Ole Omarova, Sole Omarova. Uh, and, you know, it makes you wonder why again, because here we have... Um, a very, very progressive leftist Marxist who's being nominated. Um, we have uh, we have uh, Democrats who have gone so far left, they're progressive almost to like extreme like neo-Nazi, um, uh, who want these people to be in and who are attacking those you would think would be their masters. Like you would think, hey... Uh, even the uh, even the stickliest of Democrats is probably going to uh, is probably going to kneel down, bow down, get on their knees for a banker or a federal reservist. But in this case, you have one brave little girl going against the Federal Reserve System here and defending a Marxist. Uh, let's take a little look at this clip, ladies and gentlemen. I think you guys uh, will appreciate it. Um. I told you guys tonight's a night of swamp creatures all around. Yeah, we got a pretty big swamp creature coming to the screen right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a look at how this Muppet defends Ole Somaroma, Sole Omarova and, and the soft softball questions she has for her. Ladies and gentlemen, you know this person as Focahontas. This is what Elizabeth Warren has been up to the last few months. Chairman, Professor Omarova, I know that the giant banks object to your willingness to enforce the law to keep our system safe and that you may cut into big bank profits. So they and their Republican buddies have declared war on you. The attacks on your nomination have been vicious and personal. We've just seen them. Sexism, racism, pages straight out of Joe McCarthy's 1950s Red Scare tactics. It is all there on full display. Welcome to Washington in 2021. Now, okay, so 
<laughs> Shut up, Senator Warren. Like, she just told the whole story there, guys. Like, uh, everything that she just said, Soleil Omarova could not say in her defense. She's like, let me tell you how this is going to be, Soleil Omarova. Uh, all of these conservative neo-Nazi pigs just came after you because you're a woman, because you are from Kazakhstan, because they are racist and racism is systemic and uh, CRT and BLM. Now you see the attack that they just did on you, Soleil Omarova, based on everything that we just talked. And then she asks her, this is why they're coming after you, because you want to regulate them. Okay, sure. Warren. Okay. It gets worse. One claim is that you intend to nationalize the banking system. So let's just get this nonsense out of the way. Does the OCC have the power to end private banking and to move all consumer deposits to a public ledger? Absolutely not. If the OCC did have that power, is that something you would support? Absolutely not. And are you a capitalist who believes in free markets? Yes, I am. So great. Now that we've put that on the record, I'd like to get to the real reason that your nomination has generated such fierce opposition. And I think it lies in what the OCC does have the power to do. Professor Omarova, the OCC oversees a mix of giant banks and smaller community banks. Now, the giant banks are flourishing and growing larger by the day. And big tech companies like Facebook are trying to move in while many of the smaller banks are getting wiped out. As controller, how would you support community banks and ensure that they can continue to provide strong service to their customers and competition in the banking industry? Thank you, Senator. If confirmed as the controller, I would make one of my priorities to take a, a much closer look and subject to much closer scrutiny the ongoing trend of consolidation in the banking industry that leaves many communities without meaningful access to banking services on the ground. Well, you know, part of supporting community banks' role in our economy involves a level playing field with their larger peers, and that means accountability for those big banks. So, Professor Omarova, when a giant bank like Wells Fargo repeatedly breaks the law and cheats its customers, what do you believe our banking regulators should do? I believe that banking regulators should use the tools in their toolkit to make sure that uh, no bank, small or especially large, gets away with repeated violations of the law, especially when that hurts real families and real businesses on the ground. I think the fines should have a real bite. I think the executive compensation should be on the line for the big banks that continuously and repeatedly violate laws. Whoa, Professor Omarova, I think I know why you're being attacked so viciously. These banks want to avoid accountability, and they certainly want to avoid personal liability for their executives, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to block you. Opposition to... Okay, guys, enough from that crazy and uh, tired crack right there known as uh, Focahontas. Objection, leading the witness indeed. Okay. Oh, oh, now we know why they're attacking you. Because, you know, and uh, whatever, Senator... Yeah, and the question, that is a good question in G indeed, CJM61. Why is she still a senator? I don't know. I haven't the shantiest idea. But uh, 
Indeed, guys, that's a good question, you know. But the way she says it, oh, you just want to hold big banks accountable. Oh, you just want to make sure that they have their day in court. Of course, you're going to get little, uh, you know, little uh, communist and Marxist sympathizers being like, yes, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, my goodness. To see a communist sympathize with Elizabeth Warren that is, uh, aside from being, you know, uh, a contradiction in terms, uh, I mean, <laughs> that would be interesting, guys. But uh, let's take heart here, because indeed, uh, that's a Tam Growl, right? Sorry, I should have let, I should have finished playing that uh, clip. We're done, though. We're we're we've got more Marxist to fry here, ladies and gentlemen, before we say goodnight. <laughs> um. Uh, Omarova did not make it. She's not going to make it. She will not be confirmed. Good job. Hallelujah. As they say, uh, despite everything Elizabeth Warren did to fight for a progressive Marxist to sit at the uh, head of currency in the United States of America, and as she attempts to take down the Federal Central Federal Reserve Central Bank, which I find quite interesting... Uh, we see that another Marxist shall not prevail. May Gigi Sohn not make it in uh, Omarova so long. Okay, it's it's a good thing we're we're spending some time on these people. Uh, we got one more Marxist to t- to talk about, at least uh, specifically. Now, this one, guys, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of y'all may not be familiar with. That is absolutely understandable. Because I was not familiar with this one either until uh, I dug in today's report. Uh, But this is another Marxist out there in the political landscape. This one working more locally for the state of Washington in the city of Seattle. Now, this is a Marxist progressive uh, city council member by the name of Shama Sawant. Shama Sawant. And Shama Sawant has had some very, very um, uh, progressive tendencies that have left uh, a lot to be desired by the constituents of her district, uh, let alone her city. Uh, Shama Sawant is an Indian American politician and economist who has served as the city of Seattle council uh, member since uh, 2014. She is a member of the Socialist Alternative, the first and only member of the party to date to be elected to public office. Let's uh, let's let's take a little bit of a look at who exactly uh, Shama Sawant is, as uh, we uh, delve into the reason why she's on our in our headlines tonight. That because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this socialist Marxist sympathizer who's currently sitting as a city council member in Seattle, Washington, is up for recall, ladies and gentlemen. And recall day is only days away. Let's see what this news report has to say about Shama Sawant. State Supreme Court has just issued a ruling on whether a recall can move forward against Seattle's socialist city councilwoman Shama Sawant. Q13's Brandy Cruz joining us live. Brandy, you've been diving into this ruling. So what exactly did the court decide? Yeah, Bill, good morning. It's a long ruling, but the bottom line is that a recall can move forward to the signature gathering phase. And that means that 
uh, Councilman Shama Sawant's job is in jeopardy in a very real way. Uh, we were talking about this morning that the state Supreme Court was considering four different accusations and whether those four different accusations each individually met the threshold for recall. Uh, only one of them had to move forward in order for a recall to proceed. And as you'll see, the state Supreme Court deciding that, yes, three of the four accusations are enough to warrant a recall. Uh, first, improper use of city resources. Uh, the court found that there is uh, enough justification to say that Sawant did improperly use city resources to help support a tax Amazon ballot initiative. Also, that she improperly allowed protesters into City Hall after hours back in June, uh, flying in the face of COVID mandates, putting janitorial staff at City Hall uh, in jeopardy. Also, that she led a protest to the home of Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin when she should not have. Mayor Durkin's house, is uh, her address at least, is protected under state law due to threats against her uh, because of her time as a United States attorney. Uh, not upheld, however, by the state Supreme Court is the accusation that Sawant gave power to an outside political organization, basically let socialist alternative decide who to hire and who to fire. But three of the four accusations now moving forward. So from here, the pro-Sawant recall side will have 180 days to gather around 10,000 signatures. That's going to be a pretty easy task. What's likely to happen is they get enough signatures, and then probably in the August primary, voters only in her district, only in the third district in Seattle, which is the area around Capitol Hill, will get to give an up or no vote, simple majority as to whether they want her to keep her job or not. In the meantime, Councilman Sawant uh, has been circulating a petition of her own uh, online, urging people, take a look, to decline to sign. She's asking her supporters to uh, declare that they will not sign onto the recall effort against her. Uh, and so we will see what happens. But one thing is for certain, Bill, it is going to be probably a pretty high profile and pretty costly legal battle moving forward. You know, Brandy, we're talking about Mariners opening day. We're talking about uh, the businesses that have been shuttered for a year in that area and the homelessness crisis that has just exacerbated. Now, yeah. Sawant was elected two years ago. Mm -hmm. So the question remains, seeing what's happened in the time since, would voters really turn around and just kick her out that quickly? Well, there's a, couple, there's a couple schools of thoughts here. One, you have to realize this is a district that has elected a socialist councilwoman for three terms. I mean, this is by far the most progressive district in the city, and they are the ones who get a say in this. But at the same time, Bill, she only won by a little bit. She won by 52 with 52 percent of the vote in 2019. And think about, as you said, everything that's happened since then. She's been the main backer behind some of the most controversial policies in the city, including defunding police. Uh, her district is where CHOP uh, Chaz uh, thrived uh, for days on end, much to the anger of a lot of residents up there. One other thing I want to note, you know, we've been we've been looking really quickly at the um, money that the pro uh, recall side and anti recall side ha have raised. So once raised more money to defend against a recall, but the vast majority of that money comes from outside of her district. The other side, the majority of the money they've raised comes from voters in the third. I'd be really interested to hear from folks who voted for Sawan two years ago and what they think now. You know? And I guess we'll find out at the ballot down. box, yep. right? 
All right. Very interesting uh, discussion there about this swamp person, Shama Sawant. No pun intended, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you heard that this is the district where Chaz Bono, just kidding, not Chaz Bono. Uh, this is the district where we have Chad. You know, it's a very progressive district there in Seattle. Uh, and, and they say, oh, she's been elected three times. Uh, but that was a very good point also that the uh, anchor woman there made. And that was that. Uh, and we have an article up here we could look at. We'll talk about it now. So we won't look at the article. We'll look at the article. But we won't read it uh, about the money that's going into this uh, Shama Sawant recall. OK, now a million dollars raised on either side, guys, of this recall. A million dollars against the recall and a million dollars for the recall. And just as this anchor woman said here, all of the donations, the million dollars against this recall have come from outside of her council district, her city council district. And the million dollars raised for the recall happening right inside that very district. That ladies and gentlemen, is what, what we're talking about when we're talking about funding our side of the battle lines. Now, uh, here's an article here about Kishama Sawant or Shama Sawant and why it's a high-stakes recall in Seattle. It says the uh, proposed recall of city council member Shama Sawant is based uh, on charges related to particular actions last year, and only voters in her central Seattle district are deciding whether she should be retained. But the December 7th recall election could have sweeping consequences beyond the allegations on the ballot and beyond District 3, because a case can be made that few figures have influenced the city's political politics as much in the past decade. Swant's scorching rhetoric and uncompromising approach have pushed the council to the left on issues ranging from business taxes to renter protections and have all altered the way of city hall operations. Her recall could mark the end of an era in Seattle. Augment wins uh, earlier this month by moderates and disappoint hardcore uh, augment wins earlier this month by moderates and disappoint hardcore socialists across the country. Her survival could buttress the council's progressive wing. Jan Drago, a former council member and lobbyist who also uh, who's endorsed the recall, says Sawant's actions, including those spelled out in the charges against her, amount to flouting her responsibilities as an elected leader. Interesting that they say that. I could tell you uh, the vibe that I get from this Shama Sawant individual just from what I've seen. Uh, I don't know if you all recall that episode that we aired in Georgia about a local city council race in a rural area where um, uh, a basically what boiled down to a publicist firm that uh, turns Democrats into rhinos and runs them as Republicans. Basically, these people were throwing all of this money at this woman, at a housewife. And the housewife was like, I'm going to run for politics at local level. My name's Shama Sawant. Same idea, right? And then the husband. Do you guys remember this? You guys might remember this. The husband releases a video and he's like, do not vote for my wife. (laughs) 
Do not vote for my wife. She does not know what she's talking about. There are strange and mysterious men that come out of the shadows and they give her briefcases of money. She doesn't care about politics. She doesn't care about what the city wants. She doesn't care about you. Don't vote for my wife. This ad is paid for by a concerned husband who needs dinner done by 5.30 p.m. (laughs) That was so funny. Oh, my goodness. That was such a story. And that's what this reminds me of. That's what this this is what happens when you have political lobbyist insiders interests, people who show up with money to try and push a political agenda. They have to make a star. Okay. They have to make a star. And uh, so in the Georgia case, they found this woman who wanted to run for politics. They said, hey, we'll give you money. We'll give you presents. If you push this, we'll get you the vote. We'll, we'll make you win. Okay, you'll win. But then, you know, you just you're the you're the figurehead. You're the front. That's what I think this is. This is what Shama Sawant reminds me of. And I say that because Shama Sawant also reminds me of every progressive clown nutcase I've ever seen out there talking about we need uh, green energy, we need climate change regulations, we need free education, we need to attack the big banks, and we need reparations, and we need amnesty. Okay, these are the same things this woman... She sounds like a little AOC, this woman. Okay, and if this woman had a husband that would have done her the favor of running an ad that said, don't vote for my wife, Shama Swant might not be in the middle of a recall. Okay, Shama Swant might not be in the middle of a recall. Let's let's move let's move on from here. Okay, let's let's get to the AOC speak. Okay, we're gonna only play a little bit of this. We're not gonna play a lot of it. But this is uh, where she reminds me of every progressive AOC out there. J- just listen to what she has to say. Member Shama Sawant is with us. She actually is saying that companies like Amazon should be taxed based on the employees that they have in our area to help kind of fix this crisis. So tell us exactly what it is that you're proposing. Well, as you said, Travis, I doubt that there's hardly any of your listeners who don't hurt when they write the rent check to their landlord every month. And the rents being high is very much connected to the homelessness crisis, which, by the way, on scale is uh, worse in Seattle than in New York and Los Angeles. So we're talking about a massive crisis and we can't hold our breath to have the market solve this crisis someday. You know, people say, oh, markets will solve Have they solved it? No, it has become worse. Seattle rents right now are rising at the fastest rate since two years ago. So this is a massive crisis. We need to solve it. But we need to solve it by building permanently affordable, high quality, affordable units by the city using union jobs. And how do you do it? How do you make the money? How do you pay for it? You go where the money is right now. The money is not with small businesses or with ordinary working people. Washington State already has the most regressive tax system, meaning the poorest of us pay the most that's why we have to go to the biggest businesses who are making profits hand over fist and have not paid anything close to their fair share. Amazon is a good example. Amazon not only made $5.6 billion profits last year, but because of the Trump corporate tax cuts that happened late last year, they are now getting a $789 million windfall. This is highway robbery. 
they need to pay into Seattle so that we can make the city affordable and welcoming for all. That is why I'm urging that we build a movement to fight for this. Just months ago, the majority of the city council voted against a tax on big business. So we are going to win this only on the basis of the movement fighting for it. Okay, so let's just... Okay, so you get the idea, right, guys? You get the idea. Uh, th- they say, uh, hear your talking points, go out there with a lot of energy, talk really fast, and people will believe you because you seem passionate. And that's all she has to do. She's just another AOC. She's just another Georgia lonely housewife, okay, who they, they, gave, her, uh, they gave her talking points and they made her feel important and good about herself. And they said, go take on district, etc. in Seattle. And uh, we're gonna have a bunch of uh, we're gonna have a bunch of goobers camping out for about a month, and it's all because of you, Shama Sawampa, Sawamp Sharma, <laughs> Sharman Ultra. Okay, guys. All right. I think we're done with Shama Sawamp. She is uh, on recall now until December seventh, guys. That is the uh, date, if I'm not mistaken. That is Tuesday of next week, December 7th. If you are in the Seattle district area or the Seattle, Washington area in that district, you too can vote to recall this Marxist and get her out of our local government. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed that little bit of information. Now, as we uh, approach the end of the Sea Report for tonight, guys, and we got one more story for ya. And it ain't Ghislaine Maxwell, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hey, hey, we're done with you guys. Okay, enough, 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 enough. <laughs> we're going to close tonight with a little juicy smoulier, ladies and gentlemen. A little juicy smoulier. After all, it is a five-day trial, so it's almost over. Will Juicy Smoulier be found guilty of felony charges of uh, fake, uh, I was going to say fake sexual harassment? Sorry, the uh, sexual harassment was very real. It happened with Obimbo and Oldundenge uh, and, uh, and uh, a Juicy here. It was, uh, it was sexual, but it was not harassment, okay? But, um... What do you guys think? Have you guys heard any uh, updates on this story? It gets kind of funny. It gets kind of funny, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Okay, so uh, again, again, the the mainstream, lamestream fake news media, even some of the independents, they're all saying that this hinges around whether or not they can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that $3,500 check was written to Obimbo, not for... The uh, sweet lovemaking down by the fire, but for training purposes, ladies and gentlemen, they needed to prove that this check, ladies and gentlemen, was for that. Because if they could prove that, they could prove that Jussie Smoulier, Jussie Smollett, Juicy Smoulier, beyond a shadow of a doubt, tried to frame the Caucasian race or uh, Caucasian skin color, Caucasian uh, gene uh, ancestry, right, into a big old hate crime. Like he was trying to frame an entire race of people, this juicy smoulier. 
Like, these French gay black actors are very, very ambitious, ladies and gentlemen, particularly if they're gay. Okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to have too much fun with this. But, okay, as I was saying, they needed to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he paid for it. Because if they could prove that, then they know that he is responsible for doing a fake hate crime. Okay? You ready to cry, Juicy? <laughs> Are you ready to cry, Juicy? From the uh, hallowed pages of the Gateway Pundit, the most trusted news source on the foxhole.app. <laughs> okay, this is quite the article from the Gateway Pundit. Oh boy, security cameras caught Juicy Smoulier in a dry run... With Nigerian Asundero brothers two days before the hate hoax attack. So, do you think that prosecutors need to prove beyond the shadow of the doubt that uh, Juicy Smoulier paid $3,500 for um, a sweet lovemaking session down by the fire with Odingo? Nah. They don't need to prove that. That don't mean nothing no more. They're like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> screw the check. We got this instead. On a dry... I told you these uh, these French gay actors, they're like, guys, guys, we need to do... We need to do a dress rehearsal, guys. <laughs> the Chicago Police Department back in June 2019 released 70 hours of unseen surveillance uh, footage from the Juicy Smoulier hate hoax. In a clip posted on Twitter by Charlie Demar, Smoulier's cohort in crime, the Nigerian Osundero brothers were filmed on their way to meet Juicy Smoulier on the night of the fake hate crime. And that is photo from the incident. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a thoroughly entertaining court case. Okay. <laughs> Recall Juicy Smoulier paid the Nigerian brothers over $3,000 to help him pull off the MAGA country hate hoax. In previously released footage, the Osundero brothers are seen purchasing all the supplies of the hate hoax, including the red hats, the, ha uh, the bleach and the rope. I was going to say the hate bleach and the hate rope. Uh, here is uh, some of that video, guys. <laughs> you better believe we're going to watch it. Oh, this is as big as it gets. <laughs> this is as big as it's going to let me get. We are going to enjoy this, guys, as we fall see the fall of Juicy Smoulier. Do you see, little gay boy, what happens when you're too ambitious? Do you see, little gay boy? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Nine bottles, what about you? You go more towards the light. The light? Yeah. Uh. Oh, the light. Mr. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for me, okay? Make sure everything, okay? Yeah. Thank you.
Whoops. Okay. Yeah, good point. That is a good point, CJM61. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should cover the Waukesha, the Waukesha. Yeah, that's a good point. No one's paying attention to Waukesha. Everyone's looking at the Smoulier trial. No one's paying attention to Ghislaine. No one's paying attention to Ghislaine. You know, they had to take the Waukesha incident off the air because uh, it didn't prove their narrative because he was black. Right. On Wednesday in the trial, says the article, the uh, of the Juicy Smoulier police released the video of Smoulier and the Ossendero brothers on a dry run days before the faked attack. They practiced their racist hate hoax before their late night stunt. The Daily Mail reported uh, testimony in the Juicy Smoulier trial will continue on Wednesday. Whoops. After jurors. Uh, no. Go away. Sorry. Here we go. Come on now. There we go. Uh, After jurors uh, on day two of the trial were shown security footage of Smoulier doing a dry run. Okay. On Tuesday, jurors were shown footage of Smoulier walking near the scene of the alleged attack with uh, brothers Olambinjo and Abimbulo. Osondero on January 27, 2019. The brothers are then seen going to the Crafty Beaver for rope, a beauty supply store for masks and hats, and a bank uh, to deposit the $35,000 check or $3,500 check. Smoulier paid them to commit the act. The brothers paid their bill at the beauty supply with a $100 bill Smoulier gave them. Camera footage also showed Smoulier pick the brothers up in an alley on January 25th, four days before the January 29th attack. This is just bad for Smoulier altogether. Defense attorneys for Smoulier also questioned a detective over a hot sauce bottle that smelled of bleach that was found at the scene by a New York Post reporter and a week uh, a week after the alleged crime occurred. The actor told police that his attackers used racist and homophobic slurs. We know how that goes, guys. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think is going to happen to Smoulier? Juicy Smoulier, ladies and gentlemen, may see justice served. I have a feeling that that's the trajectory this is going on. And uh, quite happy about that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get this distraction out of the way. Uh, we'll go back to Wokesha. We'll uh, go back to Ghislaine Maxwell. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? We will get there. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out tonight during the Sea Report. We are at you live 7.30 p.m. today on multiple platforms. Be sure to visit thecereport.com. Uh, say hello. Uh, use our can- contact form. Join our mailing list. All that good stuff. And uh, visit us on our podcast, anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. Subscribe for free to The Sea Report on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Help out the broadcast every time you listen. For those of you sending uh, donations by way of Cash App, PayPal, or Gold Pills over at foxhole.app and pilled.net. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time with us tonight, and I appreciate uh, 
the uh, fellowship. Hope you guys had a great Thursday evening. We'll be back tomorrow. No telling what we'll be talking about. Uh, we'll probably have some Ghislaine Maxwell news, just so you know. Just so you know. And I think that about does it, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all have a great night. We will see you again tomorrow. We've released the scratching. And uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be safe, be blessed. And uh, God bless America, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next time. The C-Report is 100% listener-supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with The C-Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support. Become a monthly donor when you go to anchor.fm slash the C-Report slash support or click on the support button over there at the anchor.fm slash the C Report website, where you can help sustain future episodes of the C Report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support.